Thank you for joining us on the CFF podcast for our special week of sanctification. During this week, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be sharing on how to be sanctified with a purpose. Prepare your hearts to receive and allow the Word of God to bless you. This is your home. I didn't plan to begin like this, obviously, uh, but it's amazing how God just brings things together. We are talking so much about not being a part of this world, about really this world offers you so little, uh, how entertainment is a cheap replacement for the joy of the Lord on how God is better and God always satisfies and always fulfills. What I want to share with you today is something so important that I believe that if you receive it, uh, your life can really do, can really be made new. You can have a new life in Christ. Um, I want to share with you a quick story and then I want to share with you uh, another part of the Bible. So I want to uh, just encourage you. I want to ask you to go with me. Uh, one second. Give me one quick second to John chapter eight, John chapter eight. If you guys have it in your Bibles there, you could open it on your phone. But if you're using your phone, it'd be kind of tough. But John chapter eight, and we're going to go verse one through 11. You may be wondering why some people are taking notes. And that's because we don't all have a photographic memory. So I encourage you guys to take notes. You may be needing this in the future. Um, Maybe not only just for you and for your tough times, but for your good times as well, but maybe somebody else is going to need a word of encouragement and a word of hope. And so most of the time I take notes because I desperately need them. But a lot of the times the Lord uses those things and blesses other people with it. So uh, John chapter eight, verse one, this is a beautiful story. And I think we could all relate to it. John chapter eight, verse one. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again into the temple and all people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, listen to this. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Well, when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is among you without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And the woman, where she was in the center of the court, meaning now it's just Jesus and the woman, listen to this, straighten up, Jesus said to her. Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. What a beautiful, what a powerful story. We all have heard it. Most of you have heard this incredible story of these religious people trying to stone this woman to death, blaming her, no freedom, uh, no hope for her, trying to use the law of God against her instead of for her. This is the very definition of legalism. These people wanted to be right and not righteous before God. They cared more about their laws than the people. And so it's amazing to me how this, this religious people were trying to use religion to condemn instead of to save. But Jesus being such an incredible, incredible person, incredible savior, 
uh, he brings hope into this woman's life and he says something to these Pharisees. He writes something on the ground. And I think it's all their sins. I think Jesus started writing the names of the people they were cheating with. I don't know. Maybe Jesus started writing sin by sin and looking at them. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe he, he wrote there um, everything that they, they had done. And they were so embarrassed because they probably thought, man, this guy doesn't know anything. But Jesus started pointing it out. Now, it doesn't say what he wrote. All I know is that these men didn't condemn her and they walked away. They realized that they too were sinners. Of course, you know that part of the story, but I want to focus on the very last part of it because everyone stops right there where Jesus says, go, I don't condemn you either. But we forget about the last part where he tells her, go and sin no more. We've been talking about sanctification, a topic that's not so sexy. You know, we talk about, when I mean not so sexy, meaning that people are not so attracted to sanctification or, or glorification. They are not attracted, you know, to being holy. Of course, we want prosperity. We want healing. We, got, we want God to do great things in our lives. I, I do too. But there's something so beautiful, so powerful about receiving something called sanctification and, and be able to tell God and stand in front of God and say, God, I live for you. My life was changed ever since I knew you. I don't know if you guys remember, but I had an old car. Some of you guys call it an old car. I call it a classic car. Big difference for me. So uh, my, my wife just calls it a piece of junk. But oh, it used to be a piece of junk. But this, this is a 1971 Plymouth Fury. Beautiful car. Now, imagine if I have this amazing car, which only $2,000 worth. But I have this car, and the engine is just bad. It's shot. It's a horrible, bad engine. It's already done. You know, blown head gaskets. I, I, I just need to replace the engine. And so I go, I take it into a mechanic, and they replace the engine. But when I take it out of the mechanic, my car still, run, still doesn't run. It barely runs. It's, it's, it's horrible. There's no compression. There's no, the, the, the engine doesn't work. Could I have perhaps the doubt that they even did anything to my car? Could you not have the doubt that they, perhaps they only cleaned it or they, you know, they maybe didn't even replace the engine? It's fair to say that either they didn't do a good job or they didn't even do anything, Right. I can tell you that happens a lot with people that come to Christ, a lot of Christians, a lot of people that go to church, or maybe they want to walk with Jesus, and their lives are taken into the Lord, and God does something, and their lives were walking in a certain direction, and they were hurting, and they were in pain, and in sin, and you come to God, and God does something beautiful, but then you go back and walk the same way, and you begin to doubt, did God even change my engine? Did he even change my life? People around you will begin to wonder, did he just kind of patch you up? Did he actually change you? And I think this is the big struggle that I don't think God wants you to struggle with your entire life. A lot of people are put off by Christianity, not because of Christ, but because of Christians. Mahatma Gandhi said, I would have become a Christian if I would have met one. Listen, I would have become a Christian if I would have met one. But see, Mahatma Gandhi was being oppressed by a Christian nation. Why am I telling you this? Because what God wants is not only to do a miracle in your life, but he wants to bless your life. Can I tell you that there's a big difference between miraculous, incredible working power of God and then the continuous working power of God in your life? I know the difference between a miracle and a blessing. Can I explain it one last time or one more time? I'm hungry. Some of you guys are very hungry. You've been fasting and praying, and you're walking down the road and this apple falls, falls on your head. You're like, man, God, thank you for the miracle. I was so hungry. You take a bite out of the apple, so delicious. You're like, yeah, what a miracle. I was just about to ask you, Lord, for something to eat. That's a miracle. 
Now, you may don't think so, but I think it's a pretty good small miracle, right? <laughs> Unless you're really, really hungry. And then there's this other person that has a house, and in that house, there's a tree, and that tree has tons of apples, and one of those apples happened to fall on somebody that was praying outside of that house. Well, the person that is living a miracle received the apple on the head, but the person that lives in blessing owns a house that has a tree, bunch of apples, and they could just come outside and receive and eat the apple anytime they want because they are walking in blessing. Some believers live from miracle to miracle. It's almost like we become spiritual beggars and we want just God to save us and rescue us constantly all the time. I'm not saying that God won't do that. Our God is so incredible. He's such a good father. He's so patient that he wants to bless you. But listen, I want my kids to not just come to me when they need the hookup. I want my kids to learn to walk in blessing, to learn to walk in freedom. I want my kids to be changed and transformed. I think God wants the same for you. This is why he tells the woman, now that no one judged you and I don't judge you, go and sin no more. When God frees you, when God saves you, when God delivers you from your guilt, from your sin, from all the past, he now tells you it's time to change. Because if you do not change, you'll begin to wonder, if the engine was ever changed, you'll begin to wonder if this God thing even works. People around you will begin to say, if your life is not changing, then God must not have the power to change. You see, I know my God is powerful. My God can and has done it many, many times. He's done it in my life. He's done it in many of you guys' lives as well. But here's what can happen. You can receive something from God and you can get so used to that which you received in the past that you no longer want something in the future. It's like if I married Eoni, I married my wife, and I tell her, I love you. For the first year of our marriage, she knows I love her. I show it. But then for the next 30, 40 years, I do nothing. And she's like, hey, how come you don't tell me you love me anymore? How come you don't show me you love me anymore? How come we don't go out on dates anymore? This relationship became crusty, stale, old. And I think that God wants to break away the rust from your relationship with him. I believe that God today he wants to do something so beautiful in you that if you have just come to him that your your heart would burn for him that your your desire would be him and that if you've been walking with god for a long time that god would break away your religious mindset the, the cross in your heart the, the hardened heart and that god would set it on fire again and would make it a heart of flesh one more time can you say amen I want to take you now to a beautiful part of the Bible, and so I, I hope that you receive it as, as, as I received it. Uh, I'm really encouraged by it because I was confronted by it first. It's in Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, verse 18 to 22. Understanding that God wants to renew you, he wants to redeem you, and he wants to restore you. Right, The full gospel means this. God wants to do the full work, not just a little piece. He doesn't want to just redeem you, take you to heaven. He wants to also renew you, renew your mind, renew your heart, renew your attitudes, renew you so that later he can restore you. Some people just want to be redeemed, saved, but they're never renewed. So therefore, they can never be restored. If you beat your wife, if you mistreat your wife and you get saved, the Lord can save you. But now it's time to change because if you don't change, your marriage won't change. Your children won't change. Your generations won't change. So God wants to redeem you, renew you, and restore you. That is the completion of the gospel. So understanding what I just said, you understood on the first day that, that sanctification is a two-stage two process, right? 
that the first stage is immediate, is justification, just as if I'd never sinned, God justified you. The second part of, just, of, of sanctification is a process. This relates you to God. This gives you the relationship to God. Now you're in union, in unity with him. Now you got to live out your salvation. You got to work out your salvation, right? You can never do enough to be saved, but you can live out from your salvation. So now keeping this in mind, go to Mark chapter 2, verse 18. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Some of you guys just said amen really loud. I could hear it through your mute button. And Jesus said to them, while the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast. Meaning, right now, I'm here. There's no need. They have complete communication with me. So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Verse 20, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Verse 21, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it the new from the old and the worst tear results. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost and the skins are well, but one, and the skins as well, but one puts new wine into fresh wineskin. Now, I know this doesn't mean anything to some of you because we don't even know what wineskins are and we don't patch anything anymore. Let me tell you, I grew up in Mexico where back in the day, uh, we didn't just throw our pants away. We had to patch them. I don't know if any of you guys had those days where you just, where pants were, were more, were, it was worth patching them. You know, I remember I had patch up on patch up on patch. I had a, I, I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to sound like, you know, like, oh, poor, poor Pablo. But Really, I had like four patches on top of each other because I would just I, I would just eat my pants. I like tear them up. Like I, I don't know if I would bite them or just the way I would play. My pants always had holes on my knees. If you have kids, especially boys, I don't know if girls are the same. But these boys, man, they I don't know what they do with their pants. But I think they have a, a, an angle grinder and they just grind them up. Well, I, growing up, I remember. I didn't only have my own patches. He sometimes had my brother's pants patches because my older brother would then hand me down his pants and they would have his patches and then his patches would have my patches. The crazy thing about that is that my mom knew something. There was different patches that they would sell. Some patches were pre-shrunk and some patches were not pre-shrunk. Now you gotta know there's a difference because some of my pants, they look like this. These, these pants had, had a patch and then the patch would shrink and it would shrivel the rest of the pants. And it looked so horrible because it looked like the like the pants had just been like chewing on themselves. It was so ugly, so ugly. I guess you know now people would you know call them hipster or something. I don't know. They may be costing a lot of money. But these these patches would then be of new cloth with old cloth, like old brother hand me down kind of pant cloth, and then they would just shrink and would shrivel the old cloth. And I'd be so mad because I'm like, hey. Why do I have to wear these kind of pants? Now, I praise the Lord for those moments. I'm learning something, you know, but I got to tell you, this is what happens. In our, this is what happens. This is what Jesus is telling these religious people. They say, you want something new with your old mindset. You want to bring something great, something new, something that God is doing, and you want to keep your old lifestyle. It's just going to tear you up. You want to put God, the freshness of God, the renewing of God, the beauty of Jesus into old religious mindsets. All that's going to do is tear you up 
and it's going to tear everybody else around. Then he goes on to explain something else where I want to spend the rest of the time. He talks about wineskins. Now, I don't have, uh, 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 back then they used to use goats or sheep. So whenever they, they would, you know, skin the sheep. Now, I'm not going to skin nothing, you know, but they would use the sheep and they, they would, you know, uh, skin them straight, like the whole thing. And some of you guys are already cringing. Then they would, you know, squeeze or, or grab the, the, the limbs and the neck too. Of course, there was no more head. And inside of that, they would put wine. Now, I don't have a sheep, so I brought something called a piguindo. Piguindo is what my boy calls this. So all this skin, all this skin uh, would be, pretend that this is not there anymore. And they would have this, this skin here, and they would fill it with wine, and then they would just kind of close the limbs, and they would leave it, <laughs> and then they would leave it hanging, and inside there was this wine. Now, listen, this is, this is actually really interesting. Wine, before it becomes wine, is grape juice. You guys know that. Well, this transformation causes something. It's called fermentation, right? And fermentation causes this gas, it's this carbon dioxide. Uh, and it begins to inflate. It begins to like poof, just stretch this skin. Now, it's okay. If it's new skin, it can stretch more and more and more, right? And then as it begins to, to, to just stretch and stretch and stretch, then the wine gets fermented a couple of years. And uh, depends, of course, heat and conditions. And then finally, they would drink the wine. Now, some people that were inexperienced, before I lose you, I, I need to speed up. Before I lose you, okay, so some people that were inexperienced or cheap, they would say, hey, let's just try this again. Let's use the same skin on new wine. Here's the problem. This skin had already been stretched to its capacity. It lost its stretchability. It went to its max capacity. It cannot go anymore. And so when you put new wine and it begins to ferment again, it would begin to just rip apart and I'm not talking I mean it would just burst and then you would lose all the contents inside and you would lose the skin now that I gave you a whole history lesson on how to make wine by through skins of goats uh right you you at least grab the concept that this is what Jesus is talking to them about they understood and here's what you and I need to understand he's talking to religious people he's talking to people that knew the bible they were so smart. They were like the theologians of the day. But here's something that you may not know. For 400 years, 400 years, God had not spoken to his people. From the book of Malachi to the book of John or to the New Testament, the, the Holy Spirit, God, had not been speaking to his people. This is a long time without hearing from God. There was no prophets. There was no priest that would rose with holiness. For 400 years from the book of Malachi all the way to the New Testament, God was silent. He would not speak to his people because their hearts had grown hardened, because they had grown cold, because now they grabbed on to religion and to old patterns, and they refused, refused to let God speak. Now listen, this is scary because God is alive, God is strong, God is incredible, but unless you're willing to listen, then he will not speak. This is beautiful because as I see Jesus being confronted by these religious people and they tell him, why do your disciples, why, are they, why aren't they, they fasting? We're fasting. They're trying to be all super spiritual. And Jesus tells them, listen, unless you're willing to be renewed, you cannot receive the new thing. He's talking about the new covenant. Before I get all theological and deep on you, you have to understand one simple thing. Old covenant was this. The only way you can be saved is by being good by obeying the law and doing enough that's the old covenant 
through the Mosaic law. Then Jesus came to not break that covenant, but to fulfill it. Jesus said, I am good. I am not only good, I am good enough to fulfill that pact, that covenant. And anyone that is in me now receives my righteousness, is covered by my justification, by my righteousness. Anyone who's under my new covenant, my newness, now can be saved. Because what God sees now is not the sin of the person, but now you're covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, that's super important for us to get, right? Because as we understand this, we realize that there's so many religious people out there, man, so many people that claim to know the Bible, but they're trying to live their salvation through the law, not through the grace of God. Now, super important because there's also another dangerous thing that can happen, that you can live with God, you can receive God, you can go to a cell group, a Bible study. You can start, you know, just growing closer to people that love you, that love God, that will be there through your tough times, that will pray for you. You can start growing in the community of God. You can even receive Jesus. You can go to an encounter. You can have a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. God can begin to change and take your old habits out. But if you're not careful, if you are not careful, you run the great danger of becoming crusty and stale, just like those old wineskins. God wants to do something new in you. God wants to renew you daily, constantly. God wants to keep your relationship with him romantic, intimate, committed. God wants to have this with you. But sometimes, guys, even if you're a, a person who's been in church your whole life, even then, I think you're even in more danger than somebody who's brand new and somebody who just came to know Jesus. Because what can happen is you can become so religious. You can think that yesterday's wine is sufficient for today, and that's not how it works. God wants to give you a new wine. God wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a new revelation. He wants to give you a new joy, new direction. God wants to lift you up, re-strengthen you. But if you're not ready to receive what God has, then everything will be spilled. So here's where I come, and here's where I want to tell you, God wants to put a new spirit within you. God wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a new hope. He wants to give you a new excitement. He wants to give you something so beautiful. That is the spirit, a new spirit of God. He wants to, the Bible says that his mercies are renewed every day. I get that. God has new mercies for every day because every single day I use them up, right? But also my strength are renewed every day. But his word speaks to me. Listen, when his word comes, am I ready to receive it? Or am I just going to lose it? Is it going to just spill? I'm going to give you two signs that you become crusty. I know that sounds funny for some of you guys. I ain't crusty. Yep. Two signs that you've grown crusty. Okay. Number one sign that you just became an old wine skin. All right. How do you know? And it's not, this, this is not, I'm not, listen, I hope you don't get offended, but I'm going to tell you two simple signs on how do you know you become religious? Because by the way, you don't need to say amen, brother, to be religious. You don't need to have religious lingo to be religious. As a matter of fact, so many people don't even go to church. You're, they're so religious because religiosity has nothing to do with the church you go to. I would even tell you some people are not Christian, but they're still so religious. Their own patterns, religare, the word religare, that's the Latin word for where religion comes from. It's simply a set of beliefs. There are some people so set in the religion, whether it's atheism or, you know, that is also a religion. It's a set of beliefs. They're so stuck in their mind that God cannot do anything new. You think you know, maybe you went to school, you went to college, right? You graduated, you got your master's degree, but then that degree is mastering you because you don't have humility. And so you're thinking that you already know, 
Number one way that you know you're crusty in your spiritual life and that God cannot do something new is that you no longer receive. You don't want to learn anything new. Now, you want to learn only what you want to learn, but when somebody comes and shares something with you, in this case, perhaps it's me, or in other cases, maybe your mom, or maybe the cell group leader, or maybe it's one of your bosses, but you no longer receive the same way. When you're little, when you're young, it's beautiful to see how kids learn. Man, it is great. They're like sponges. My, my boys are like, they sponges. They just, they receive everything and they learn it. Um, you know, yesterday we were talking about how, you know, the devil crawls around like a roaring lion seeking who to, who to devour. And my seven-year-old told me, hey, God, so today I was getting this attitude. I was beginning to, I was going to say something that I shouldn't. And I thought, no, the devil's like a lion. And I said, no. And so I said what I needed to say. I was like, that is, that's amazing. Like he's already absorbing it, learning, you know, I wish I was like that, more like that. But sometimes you and I could become so religious. Well, why don't you show me where that's in the Bible? I tell somebody, hey, you know, you need to stop smoking weed. Show me where that's in the Bible. Um, okay. <laughs> you need to stop doing this. Show me where that's in the Bible. You need to stop sleeping around. Well, show me where that's in the Bible. And everything is like, you are not a theologian until somebody confronts you. Now you want to know the Bible. Don't read it. But when you start being confronted, now you want somebody to show you it. See, that's called being religious. That's called wanting the law, not the one who makes the law. You don't want to please God. You just want to be right. And that's a problem. To please God is the most beautiful thing. Now, I know some of you that are tuned in today, you're here for the first time. And I must tell you the truth. I have to tell you this. If God does a miracle in your life, but you do not change your behavioral patterns, we're doing you a disservice if we don't tell you the truth. God wants to change you, but he also wants to change your life for good. He wants to change you. He wants to change your future. He wants to change your descendants. He wants to change the way you live and the way that you behave. But that could only happen if you allow God to renew your mind, to accept new concepts, to say, God, I want to be a fool for you. That sounds strange. When I was finishing college, I met a man. He preached a different way. He lived a different way. I heard him preach in Los Angeles, East LA, in a, in a church, in a conference. I didn't know him. I just knew he had something different. And so I decided that I was going to go see where he was receiving such powerful words. I don't know. It just, it impacted me. I had grown, grown up Christian. You know, my mom was a missionary. I had been already a church leader, been a missionary in different places of the world. But there was something different here. I wanted to learn. I needed to learn some more. There was a calling in my life and I needed to develop that. And so I remember it was Friday. By Monday, I was living in Bogota, Colombia. I, I'm not from there, by the way. I just uprooted, didn't know what I was going to do, what I was going to live off of. I just knew that I had to be there because God had something new for me. I had to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It was there where God began to do something so new in me. God began to change my heart so much and give me just a new vision for my life, a, a burning desire to see the world come to Jesus. Listen, sometimes God is going to do something so new with you. You're not going to expect it. God is just going to speak to you. He's going to say, Beautiful things like something as simple as this. You're getting your sandwich in Subway and you're saying, yeah, provolone cheese. And the Lord will tell you, why don't you speak to that girl about my love? Why don't you share with that guy about how much I love him? And you're going to have to find yourself in a place where you say, God, is that you speaking? Or is that just me being weird? And I got to tell you this, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, 
The Lord will do great things, incredible things, wonders in your life and through your life. But you have to remain malleable. You have to remain sensitive. So the first, first sign that you're crusty in your spiritual life is that you don't want to receive from people. You think you know best. The second sign that you are crusty in your spiritual life, it's so simple. You're going to think, really, Pastor? You're not getting the results that you know you should be getting. If something's not working, maybe, maybe it's because you're not working it right, right? You want, different you want different outcomes, but you still follow the same patterns of behavior. You want to receive something new, but you're acting like the old self. You want to got to do something great in you and you're behaving like you didn't even know him. So this is something, it seems way too simple, but if your results are not right, right? Your results are not proper. You're not, you're not receiving what you know you should be receiving. Sometimes people come and say, Pastor, can you pray for me? And I will pray for them, but I will also ask them, how are you doing? How are you living? I'm praying for your marriage, but are you changing? I'm praying for your spiritual life, but are you worshiping? right? I'm praying for you, but are you actually going to cell group to receive the word of God, or you just want God to do a miracle, but no transformation? Let me go back to the Bible. This is Jesus telling them, you're too old, man. You're too crusty. You're, you're, your mindset is old. You need to be renewed for me to do something new in you. Let me ask you, when was the last time? And if I could end right here, the, the moment, it would be just fine as long as I could tell you this. When was the last time you were so hungry for God, so thirsty for God to do something new that you fell asleep praying, that you said no to someone that was important in your life so you can invest it into someone that was more important. Now, I'm not saying don't spend time with your wife or with your kids. That's not what I'm saying. If you've been in our, in our ministry for a while, you know that that's your first ministry. But I'm talking about when was the last time you said, guys, I can't go out tonight, not because of COVID, but because I need to spend time in the presence of God. And when was the last time that instead of clicking on the next episode, you turned it off and say, God, I feel hungry for you. I want to spend time with you. I want you, to I want you to pour into me. I think some of you are afraid of God speaking to you because you know you're going to bust. You're going to break. You don't want to change. And so you know that if God puts something new, it'll only be wasted. But some others of you, you haven't been receiving because you don't realize that you can handle it, that you can receive something new. Some of you guys don't realize, but God wants to. He's been longing to pour a new spirit within you, to give you a new heart. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 25. It says, then I sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. You will be my people and I will be your God. Not anything else, not anyone else. I will be your God. No other idols. I will be your God. I love that it says I will put in you a heart of flesh. I'll take your heart of stone out of your chest and I'll put in you a soft, tender heart. I don't know when the last time was that you felt so sensitive to the presence of God that all you can do is weep in front of him, to just cry, to just be with him. When was the last time that you said, God, I need you? See, sometimes you're awake in the middle of the night 
and you assume is the cheeseburger you ate or the burrito or I don't know, you know, hey man, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, that pizza, the last slice, I knew it would have got, ugh. or that cup of coffee, maybe had a little too much caffeine. It wasn't that. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, I want to spend time with you. I want to, I want to have intimacy with you. I want to, I want to know you. I want you to know me more. I want to share with you something that I can't share in the middle of the day. Have you ever had those times? Last night, you know, Eoni and I, we were talking and um, for some reason, it's so weird. Right before we go to sleep, I get this deep ideas, like, <gasps> like, like this thing that I just want to talk about something deep. And Eoni, <laughs> yesterday, I kid you not, Eoni's listening, so she knows, she's my witness, you know. She told me, why do you do this? I said, well, do what? I just want to talk about this. She said, why do you, why do you want to talk about this, this deep things that need hours right before we go to bed? And I was like, I don't know. See, I couldn't go to sleep. I had hours, hours and hours. Eoni yesterday, like, she had to rebuke me and say, go to sleep. Because, see, it was late, and I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know why God wants to speak to me at night. And then I realized sometimes why. It's because there I have no interruptions. No one else is around. I'm not getting phones, phone calls, text messages, WhatsApps, messengers, you know, FaceTime, Zoom meetings. It's there where my kids are asleep and God says, okay, you and I, just you and I. I've been married for over 10 years. And there's some things that you could only do when it's just you and I. When it's just two people, God wants to give you something so beautiful, so fresh, so new. But all you want is to share that with everyone else and everything else. And all you think that your relationship with God is only going to grow or is going to grow only out of all the moments with everyone else. I think it's beautiful that you want to have that community. And it is important, so important to do this. But guys, I can't help you. The church can't help you if you don't want the outpouring of God for yourself. I can only lead you to the water and so can all these other people, but you alone can drink. You see, you must spend time by yourself in the presence of the almighty God. If you have a car, use it as a prayer chapel. That's what I used to do. If you have a closet, get in there. If you have a bathroom and that's the only place you can find, and get in that restroom, put your headphones on and just worship God. You know, I got the cops called on me three times, twice in, twice, uh, in Colombia and once over here in, when we're living in West Covina. Well, the security of the apartment in Colombia was the police because I was praying and I was praying. At one time I was praying for Mikey, Mike Bernard. I was just doing spiritual warfare for him, praying against the spirit of fear. I remember I was going nuts, man. And the neighbors probably thought I was getting in a fight with somebody. Little did they know it was a spiritual warfare. So they came, they knocked on, what's wrong with you? You know, like, uh, now obviously I try not to freak people out, you know, or my kids, but listen, I was just in a moment of, of worship, of, of, of prayer with God. I, I didn't care about anybody else around me. It was just God and I. I'm not saying you have to get the cops called on you. I'm just saying sometimes you just need to pour your heart out to God. Sometimes instead of going and crying and complaining to everybody else, maybe, just maybe, God is the only one that can give you a new heart. God is the only one that can make your old wineskin fresh again so that he can pour the new things into your life. Does that make sense? Can anybody say amen in the quietness of your mute? Yeah. God wants to give you a new heart, a new spirit, a new covenant, and a new life. God wants to give you something brand new. I don't want to extend this too much. I actually want to make sure that we are very practical tonight and that we learn how to be renewed. 
So in the next five minutes, I just want to tell you three R's. So you can remember R, 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 right? Three R's on how to be renewed. Three R's on how to not be crusty old Christians and how to really have a new heart within you. Three R's that can really help you to change and to live a life of holiness by which you will see God in your life. That you would become a person that is able to receive the new things of God and not burst in the seed. I want to tell you, God wants to give you something so wonderful. But if you're not ready for it, he has to delay it because he cares about you. God wants to bless you. God wants to pour so much on you, but he has to wait because he cares about you. You see, when my son turns 16, 17, 18, maybe 35, I believe that I will, I will have enough to be able to bless him with a car. Now, my mom never bought me a car. We had to buy our own car, but I want to be able to do that for my son. But if I give my son a car when he's 12 or 13 or 15, I don't know. I don't think I would be a good, responsible parent. Like my neighbor, he's 14 years old and he's driving a motorcycle. Dude, I know some of you 40-year-olds should never drive a motorcycle, right? This kid's 14 years old with a motorcycle. I'm thinking, well, either his parents really trust him, this kid's an incredibly responsible kid, or I don't know. I got to tell you, sometimes God is simply waiting, saying, I want you to change. I want you to renew. I want you to renew your mind, to renew your heart, so that I could trust you with the new things that are coming. Because if you don't, they will mess you up. They will burst you up. Let me tell you those R's, the three R's to be renewed. Number one, you have to repent, repent. Now, repent is something that a lot of people don't even know what the word means. Repentance means simply this. I'm walking in this direction. Okay, we're going to use my wineskin. We're walking in this direction, and I repent, turn around, and start walking the other direction. That's repentance. I'm going one way, and I say, done. I'm going the other way now. It doesn't make sense. To think of repentance as this deep concept, all it means is that's it. I'm not walking in that direction anymore. I don't want that life anymore. If you say you repented, but you keep doing the same things, you haven't really repented. You just had remorse. Big difference between repentance and remorse. Remorse, you feel bad about it. Repentance, you turn around. I'm going down the 10 freeway. I can feel remorseful, but if I repent, I'm going down the 10 freeway the other way, right? I turn around, I exit. Instead of going eastbound, I'm going westbound. Repent means this. I want to change. I will do whatever it takes to change. A guy came up to me one time. He was having problems in his marriage because of some lady that he had a friendship with. And I said, is that friendship worth your marriage? He said, no, it isn't. I said, then you need to do whatever it takes to get out of that friendship. He said, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, what does it take? Well, I don't know. Well, how about you talk to that person? Tell them you're not going to talk to them again. You're going to lose the number. You're going to block the number. If you have to, you're going to change jobs. He looked at me like if I was crazy. I said, that's what's called repentance. I don't want that anymore. I don't care what it takes. The Bible says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, take it out. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Now, I'm not saying you should cut your eye, take your eye out or cut your hand off, but perhaps if you need to change, you need to make some radical decisions. Sometimes repentance will take a lot of sacrifice. Sometimes repentance will take a lot of sacrifice. One of the guys that is married now, he's one of my 12. He's, he's, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell you this. He's amazing, amazing. Uh, he's, uh, he has a beautiful baby. 
uh, baby boy. And I remember when he gave his life to Christ. I'm going to say his name. His name is Jared. He's an amazing guy. Him and Carla have a beautiful kid. When he gave his life to Christ, he had a girlfriend. From that very moment, he said, back then he didn't call me pastor. I was still, you know, Pablo. I'm still Pablo, by the way. I, my name didn't change, right? And so he's like, Pablo, um, because he understood what God did for him. He said, I feel like if I sin, I'm spitting on the face of Jesus. I don't want to spit on his face anymore. I don't want to spit on his sacrifice. When he said that, I knew he understood. He understood that what Jesus had done for him, he couldn't dishonor it. It wasn't that if he did something wrong, Jesus didn't forgive him. No, Jesus forgave him. And because he forgave him, there was a debt that he had to Jesus. Now, it's not like you have to repay your salvation. That's not the debt I'm talking about. I'm talking about an ethical debt. You know, when somebody does something so good for you, I don't know if you ever had people that just love you that way, that they have done something that you don't deserve and you feel indebted to that person. It's not like they're charging you like, well, 400 bucks. No, it's like, you just feel like you, man, like ask me whatever, I'll, I'll handle it, man. Just what do you need? And that's what I'm talking about with God. It's not that he's asking you to repay him your salvation. You say, God, what can I do for you? You've been so good to me. You've been so good with me. You forgave me when no one else did. You saved me when no one else could. What can I do for you? And God would say, turn from your evil ways. Turn from, your, turn from that sin. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. The woman that I spoke to in the beginning, she was a girl that was sleeping around. And the Lord said, you don't need that anymore. Go and sin no more. You know that, that woman, that woman was so thankful to God. She was forgiven for much, so she loved much. That's what the Bible says. He who loves most is because he's been forgiven the most. If you recognize how much God has loved you, you're not going to stop sinning out of guilt. You're going to stop sinning because he loves you, because he loved you first, because he's worth it. So what I want to share, the first thing is you need to repent. Say, God, give me the strength to turn around and to walk away from whatever's pulling me away from you. Repent. Number two, replace. Replace. Repent, replace. This is super important, right? It's like you're going to take a step, the wrong step, and you don't, want, you don't take that step anymore. But what happens is you need to replace it, right? You need to go another direction. I, 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 some people, um, I'm going to just use a simple example. We want to, you know, change a pattern of behavior, but we don't replace it with a better pattern. We just stop doing it. And it's horrible because you feel the emptiness. You feel the, 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 the sadness of that. You don't, you feel like something's missing instead of filling it with something way better. Does that make sense? Like, at least I can tell you this. I don't do diets. Not, not because, I mean, I'm, I'm needing them. Trust me. I got, I'm getting that COVID belly, you know, but it's, it's like there, the rolls rolling, you know, but <laughs> I, I tell Elni, like, I, I want to do the diet thing. I, I want to start changing, you know, the way I eat. And I told her, to be very honest with you, I think I still have about like four more years worth of growing my belly I, so I could, could change. Like, it's not enough yet. I'm not uncomfortable enough yet. My shirts are feeling tight, but I could still use the same shirts, you know? I think sometimes people don't change, although they know it's wrong, but it's not uncomfortable enough. It's like, yeah, I don't like what I'm doing, but I think I can still handle this. And that's such a lie from the pit of hell. It's such a lie. It's not about how much you can handle it's about this. Are the patterns of your life destroying what God has for you today, today? One more day you delay your change of behavior is one more day that you delay the new wine of God coming over your life. 
one more day that you delay your change of behavior is one more day that you stop, you delay the blessings of God, the new wine of God. What could have done? What could have God done if you would have changed that behavior? The way you handle your emotions, your finances, the way you handle, believe it or not, your relationships. God could change so much, but you need to be able to replace, replace. So here's one thing I propose. Ask people near you to help you change and to hold you accountable to your new replacements. For example, this is super simple. Are you replacing your old behavioral patterns with new patterns? One guy told me, Pastor, I struggle with pornography and I haven't been able to change for a long time. I've tr this is getting real, right? Too real for some of you guys? Okay, good. Okay. As as, okay. Anyway, so this guy's like, I can't change. And he had been in church for a long time. And I just asked him, around what time? And he looked at me like, what? I said, yeah, around what time do you usually struggle, do you usually fall? And so he told me, it's usually late at night. I said, go to sleep early. And he said to me, he looked at me like if I was like crazy or like if it was just too simple or like, if, he's like, I said, yeah, just go to sleep early. If you're struggling late at night, sleep earlier. He looked at me like, if like, okay, but what else is there? Is there there's some sort of like spiritual code? What juice do I drink? What verses do I read? All he needed to do was replace that lack, that horrible pattern of behavior so that he could come and build a new character. See, your thoughts lead you to actions and your actions lead you to your character and your character leads you to your destiny. John Maxwell says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap, what is it? Reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap your character. Sow your character, reap your destiny. I'm going to repeat it again. Sow your thoughts and you reap an action. Sow your actions and you reap a habit. Sow your habits and you reap your character. Sow your character and you reap your destiny. Thoughts to destiny, but you have to start putting habits, new patterns of behavior. That's called the process of discipleship. When you begin to live your life according to the word of God, then now you have a new process, a new pattern of living. You begin to be dignified as a person. Your life begins to change. Your finances change. The way you feel about yourself changes because now you're not being reigned by old patterns of behavior. Before I bore you guys to death, I feel like I'm talking way too long already. I want to tell you the third one. The third one seems so simple, but it's relax. You're saying, wait, hold on, Pastor. I thought this was about hard work and trying hard and repentance and replacing. Yeah, but you need to learn to relax also. Meaning, it's not only about working hard, but it's about saying, God, I know this is a process. And I'm here for the long run. If I can't change right away, I'm going to keep on trying. Just chill. Relax. You and I are not going anywhere. Lord, I want to do this again and again and again. Sometimes some people are so desperate and they just want things now. And the Lord says, I want to walk with you. Let me ask you a question. If God, or why is it that God sanctifies you slowly? You ever thought about that? Like, why God? Why can't you just change me and just... You know, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm holding. Oh, I'm flying. Like, I got a halo. Why, why don't I just change? Why do I keep acting like this? Why do I have these attitudes? 
usually you ask it about other people, but if you're honest, you would ask it about yourself as well. Why is it a process? Hey, can I get a witness? Like, doesn't that happen to you sometimes? Like you do things you don't want to do. You say things you don't want to say, and you regret things sometimes. And you say, why am I not changing? And here's why. If a car, at least this is me thinking, okay? If my car never needed gas or never needed to charge, I would never go to the gas station. I would never plug it in. What God wants is not only to change you, but he wants to change you and he wants to be with you through your change. I want to tell you something. If you're in a relationship with someone you love, don't deprive them from your transformation. Don't deprive them from your journey. One of the worst things you can do to someone you really love and someone that loves you is pretend that you're going to change by yourself and then you can invite them into your perfection. If they love you, they'll want to be a part of your change. They'll want to suffer with you. They'll want to walk with you. They don't want you to just as a finished product. They want to be a part of that beautiful change in your life. That's exactly what happens with God. Don't shut them out. God says, I want you to depend on me because I am dependable. I want to walk with you through your troubles. I want to walk with you through your falls. I want to pick you up as a father wants to do with a kid. I don't want you to just pretend you're going to do this alone and fail 10 times because without me, you can't. The Bible says, remain in me. Remain in me. John chapter 10. I love John chapter 10 and 13. But I love this. God says, remain in me because aside from me, you can do nothing. You can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing. And so God wants you to remain in him, to walk with him. I'm going to repeat it. First, you repent. Then you replace and just relax. Say, God, I'm going to do this and keep trying again and again. I guess you could say repeat is the other R, but that's the bonus, right? Just keep on going. Say, God, I want to keep on going. I want to pray for you guys for something. You know, I want to take a little bit more time today just to simply pray for you, to pray that God changes you from the inside out, that you long for holiness, that you desire his presence, that you want something new with him again and again and again, that it will not be a one night stand but it will be a beautiful, engaging, romantic, passionate relationship with Jesus. I don't want religion. I want relationship. Big difference. Religion is just a bunch of set of rules of do's and don'ts. Relationship, it's beautiful. It's incredible. I want to tell you this. I love my relationship with my Jesus because it's not constricting it's actually freeing. It delivers me. It sets me free. When you have a relationship with God, it strengthens you to overcome your sin, to overcome your past, to step into the future that he has with you. Guys, the reason I share this with you is not because I'm already there, but because I've seen the blessing of the process. Because when I fall, he picks me up because I've invited him into my process and I'm not going to leave him and he's not going to leave me. I've seen my life go from victory to victory to victory. And that is what the word teaches, that he will take you from glory to glory to glory. If you invite him in your process, if you want him more than anything else, and you replace him with everything else, I promise you, all the other things that the world could offer you, if they are good, they'll be a blessing. They will never be your sustainment. They'll be, never be the thing you hang on to, whether it's a relationship, a job, a person, they'll be a blessing, but they will not be your oxygen. God wants to be the one that sustains you and everything else will be a blessing. Does that make sense? Yes. I want to pray for you guys. If you guys would allow it, that God would help you to recognize your old behavioral patterns, your pride, your ego, that God would use anything 
to confront your patterns of behavior that do not please him. If you're being sinning, if you've been falling into temptation, now I know that sounds super like old school, you know, like churchy, religious. It's not. It isn't. Sin is sin. Lust is lust. And that keeps you away from God. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. If you have been indifferent towards God, it's time to say, God, I want to hate whatever pulls me away from you. I want to love you so much more. Guys, spend time with God. Spend time with God. This community, CFF, is such a beautiful community. We have grown stronger and more intimate with God. I've heard many of you have sent me messages. I feel like my relationship with God is on fire. I feel like I'm in a new moment. I feel like God is doing something new. Don't fall behind. Step into it. God wants to be with you. Does that make sense? Close your eyes. All of us, let's close our eyes and let's just pray. I want to minister what God has put in my heart to you, that you don't live in the status quo anymore, that God would help you to lean into his presence. Dear God, I thank you so much for every one of the people that took the time to listen to your word, not my words. I thank you, God, because there are many old wineskins that will be renewed today. God, there are young men and young women here and so many people, God, that know you, but they have stopped getting to know you. There are some people here that once were passionate and hungry for your word, but have become know-it-alls, wise in their own understanding. But God, I pray that you make us like children, make us fools for you, God, that we love to learn about you, that we love to discover you again. That as you, this, you, God, teach us, Lord, to discover your truths. Show us, God. I know there's some people here that have experienced your silence. Maybe not for 400 years, but for far too long. I pray that you speak to them again. That you break the silence. That as they seek you tonight and the next day and the next day. As they decide to wake up half an hour early. God, to spend a little bit more time with you to praise you, to worship you, to read the word that maybe they didn't understand before, but you, Holy Spirit, will reveal it to them. I pray that you heal them, that as your word is is in their hearts, God, that it would change them, that it would give them a heart of flesh. Lord's putting something in my heart to pray for you because some of you have grown a heart that is way too hardened. You don't cry for things you used to cry for. You don't hurt for those that hurt. When you worship, you don't feel his presence. And God says, it's too long with a silence. I want to replace your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I want you and I to grow in relationship again. Dear God, I pray right now that you do heart surgery right here and right now. Why don't you begin to ask God to do heart surgery with you, to take away the callous of your heart, to make you sensitive one more time. Ask him to forgive you for your sins. Ask him to change you, to clean you white as snow, to remove your guilt and your shame, that you would walk with him again in a beautiful, incredible journey. Ask him to be part of your process. Tell him, God, I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to have intimacy with you. Dear Jesus, help me to know you more. God, I ask you to pour a new and a fresh wine over these people, that your joy would be in them. That when people see them, they say, I thought you were going through a hard time. And that they could answer, yes, but I'm not going through it by myself. God, that they would know, that they know, that they know that you are with them. Dear God, make us flexible to your truth. Help us to receive your truth, not what the world teaches, but your truth. Remove prideful mindsets. Remove old hardened thoughts. 
dear God, we don't rep our last name or our race. We rep you, God. You are our Lord. You are our King. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We are called to from darkness into light. Jesus, thank you because you made us brothers and sisters in you. Help us to learn your culture. Help us to learn what your kingdom is about. Jesus, we want to have your heart. Take away anything that stops us from knowing you more. Before I say amen, I just want to pray that as you seek him, you find him. I want to pray that God would open up the windows of heaven and that when you pray next, when you praise him, that something special begins to happen. God, thank you because during these tough times of pandemic, you are not abandoning us. You're with us. Thank you, Lord, because just as Georgie's dad, Luis, is in your presence today, one day everyone here will also be there. One day, God, we will say, thank you, God, because your promises are true. And when we get there, Lord, we want to tell you we're used to it. We are home because we learn to live according to that. Thank you, God, because when we get there, none of us will be strangers. We will finally be home. I ask you, God, that you make us hungry for you more and more and more. Show us how to repent. Show these people, God, what the new behavioral patterns that please you are. And help us, God, to enjoy the journey. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. I leave you with something simple. A lot of people say the word awesome. I say the word awesome. But sometimes we forget that awesome is simply awe. When you're awed by something, it's like, ah. Can you do that with me? Say, ah. Some of you guys are disobedient. Some of you guys are not. <laughs> Say one more time, ah. All right? Awesome is this. It's like, awesome. When you are awed by God, if you say God is, he is awesome. You know God is still awesome. He's worthy of your awe. I pray that you guys are awed by God all the rest of your life. That today, tomorrow, the next week, you'll say, oh, awesome. Like only God could have done that. The timing of, man, how smart he is. How far, Just that you would learn to see God moving in all the areas of your life. And you would be awed by God because he's awesome. Guys, we love you very much. Tomorrow, like I said, get ready. Bring your bread and your, and your juice, right? Uh, you understand now why the wine, right? We talked about the fruit of the wine, of the vine, the new, the new wine. And so we're going to uh, tomorrow do communion together. We're going to have a beautiful time of communion. So all of you guys are welcome back. I say try to find a little space on your own. If you're at work during this time, try to take a little break around it. And uh, we're just going to like say so we're going to do communion. We're going to uh, take the cup and, uh, and also break bread together, even though we're just on screen. So uh, God bless you guys very, very much. And we'll see you guys here. Same channel, same time. Uh, please keep keep the Godoys in prayer. And uh, we love you guys so, so very much. Okay? Take care and go chase after God hard. <laughs>